Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, may the Lord give you his peace. Amen? That's not fair. Every parent, every teacher, everyone who has ever had to watch over young children, at some point have had to address the sophomore complaint, that's not fair. And if all of us are honest, we'd even have to admit that at some point in our lives, we too uttered that same childish complaint. That's not fair. For example, I can recall feeling that way myself. I was about nine or 10 years old. My older brother was allowed to join the Boy Scouts. He got to wear the cool uniform, go camping, to participate in the Pinewood Derby and all other sorts of cool things. He got to learn about making knots, to own a scout's knife, all the things I would have loved to do. But I was never allowed to be a Boy Scout. Instead, I got to play on the Shamrocks. That's the name of the football team for which my parents signed me up to play in a league called the Rinky Dinks of all things. <laughs> To me, it wasn't fair. It did not occur to me at the time, however, that my parents had to pay for my helmet, my shoulder pads, my cleats, and all the other equipment, not to mention to play in the league in the first place. Nor did it occur to me at the time that they had to invest time into taking me to practice and to attending my games. To me, my attitude was simply, that's not fair. At this point in my life, I'm sure that we could all share our own personal version of a that's not fair story. In fact, we can probably understand it from both our own childhood perspective and that of the perspective of the children in our lives. The concept of fairness is at the heart of the message for sacred scripture this weekend. The Jewish people of the prophet Ezekiel's times we're childlessly thinking that God's way is not fair. It didn't seem fair to the Jewish people that a person could live a spotless life and still suffer damnation should he turn his life against God at the final hour. Conversely, if a person lives his entire life in an ungodly way and at the 11th hour turns to God, then that person can be saved. That's not fair, so it seems. But Ezekiel, the prophet, reminds us of God's words to his holy people. Is it my ways that are unfair? Or rather, are your ways not unfair? Looking back, I can clearly understand that my parents were more than fair all those years ago. What changed is my understanding of fairness. St. John Paul II wrote an encyclical called The Splendor of Truth, Veritatis Splendor. It was published back in 1993, and it presents clear and correct church teaching on the subject of moral theology. Essentially, it presents a correct understanding of the church's teachings by sifting through a host of more or less common errors as proposed by certain questionable academians professors in so-called Catholic universities. 
In fact, St. John Paul's teachings are e echoed in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Now I want to highlight just one of those false teachings for us this weekend, which St. John Paul shot down way back in 1993. It is called the fundamental option. The fundamental option. Although it may sound rather complicated, it really is rather simple. Actually, it is basically the mindset of the Jewish people that were being corrected by the prophet Ezekiel. The false idea that is proposed by the fundamental option is that as long as a person claims to live a life for God, then specific sins don't really matter, even if they be mortal sins. Such individuals mistakenly think, for example, that it is fine to commit adultery, to kill, to promote abortion, or whatever. Just as long as I claim to choose God in all the other aspects of my life. In other words, mortal sins are inconsequential to the fundamental option theorists. It kind of reminds me of those so-called Catholic politicians that make their way to Mass each week, receive Holy Communion, talk the talk, and all the while do everything possible to promote abortion and other practices against Catholic Church's teaching. St. John Paul, however, clearly says that mortal sins are just that, mortal, that is to say, deadly. If one dies in mortal sin without repenting, it does not matter how he or she claims to have fundamentally opted for God. That's not my truth. That's what the church teaches. Now one might say, that's not fair. Well, let me make it even more complicated for you. The Second Vatican Council teaches that it is actually possible for those to be saved who by no fault of their own do not accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior by name. But they live morally upright and just lives conforming their conscience to the dictates of the natural law, which is consistent with Catholic teaching, actually. Such people are neither Catholic nor Christian, but because they embraced the truth, who is ultimately the person of Jesus Christ, they are saved by him through the Catholic Church. Surely, that's not fair. According to our merely human modes of thinking, what God says, is it my ways that are unfair, or rather, are not your ways unfair? In the parable of the two sons, Jesus highlights the same truth in story form. The elder son refuses to submit himself to his father. He fundamentally opts against his dad. His later choice, however, belated it was, means that he got it right in the end, when it counted. The younger son did just the opposite. His initial yes to his father is rendered meaningless by his final choice to ultimately disobey. Jesus explains it well in his dialogue with the Pharisees in St. Matthew's Gospel. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered, 
the first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. The point of the parable is twofold. First, people don't always end up how they start out. That's for better or for worse. Second, God's justice and mercy are very mysterious. The first point reminds us of how very patient God as a loving father is with all his children. The second point suggests that our almighty and majestic God values the good of saving a human soul over allowing it to suffer eternal damnation. And you know that's why the dogma of purgatory makes so much sense as a function of God's justice and mercy. There's still time after we die for that final purification, even if we need it after death. The bad news is that it is never too late for any person to abandon God and to suffer eternal loss. The good news is that it is never too late for any sinner to repent and to be saved. And the great news is that God desires all men to be saved, even more than any one of us wants salvation for ourselves. Now I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. Many of us are grappling with how we ought to vote as faithful Catholic citizens. By the way, the parish has been posting some useful information on our parish website, christtheredeemer.us, and our Facebook page. The church, as you know, does not endorse any specific candidate, but it does not refrain from offering guiding principles as we're doing through those means and through our preaching. So I invite you to take a moment and meditate on the parable of the two sons by doing this. I want you to insert two names, Joseph and Donald, for the older and younger siblings. Now please have an open mind. Which presidential candidate fits the description of the older son? who screwed up a lot along the way, but does considerably better in the end. Which presidential candidate presents himself as an obedient son, but fails to follow through when it actually counts? To be clear, neither candidate is really flawless. But only one has proven to faithfully protect the life of the unborn, which the U.S. bishops and Pope Francis himself have recently reiterated remains the preeminent issue of our time. The inviolability of the sanctity of human life is the one common good we all hold in common. All our lives are sacred. It is the basis for all other human goods, and so it must be protected above all. Some of us may feel like that's not fair to which the prophet Ezekiel responds, Thus says the Lord, 
You say the Lord's way is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel, is it my way that's unfair, or rather, are not your ways unfair? May Jesus be praised now and forever. Amen. Amen.